You're listening to The Itch, a podcast exploring all things allergy, asthma, and immunology. I'm your co-host, Courtney, a real-life allergy, asthma, and eczema girl. And I'm your second host, Dr. Payal Gupta, a board-certified allergy, asthma, and immunology doctor. Courtney and I hope to balance each other out so that we get you all the information that you want and need about allergies, asthma, and immunology. Traveling with food allergies? Is this even possible? How do you begin to plan on going to a new country or to a place that you don't even speak the language? What can you expect? What do you pack? How do you plan? How do you prepare? Well, no worries. We got this covered today because we chat with Ali about all things travel. We actually don't get into the nitty gritty of what to pack exactly or how to prepare exactly, but instead we talk about how to prepare mentally and what mindset you need to embrace when you're traveling with food allergies. Because as you'll find out, there's no impossible destination or experience to have. It's just about adjusting your expectations and preparing for what might come up. I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope it inspires you to plan summer trips and dream of wonderful new places to see. Today we are sitting down with Miss Allergic Reactor, aka Allie. If you are thinking about traveling with food allergies, then this is the girl you want to talk to because she is all things travel. Allie and I have known each other for four or five years. We're really not 100% sure, but we think it's probably closer to five years. And we started something called Allergy Travels together with two other people. So we are deep into the travel world. So Allie, let's jump off with a fun question. What is your best travel experience? Hello. I've been fortunate to have so many bests, but I would say that one of the most memorable trips was hiking in Patagonia in Argentina. I went with one of my best friends and Argentina had been on my bucket list for ages. I have cousins there and I'd always wanted to go. When we went, we got to see Buenos Aires and then we went to Patagonia and we hiked one of the glaciers and it was just so breathtaking and incredibly beautiful. And I tend to be more of an ocean person, but I was really taken with how beautiful the glaciers were and how gorgeous Patagonia was. So I think it was sort of like a surprising best experience, or at least in recent travel days. So when did you first start writing about your allergies and traveling? So I started blogging with Miss Allergic Reactor back in 2008, really when blogs were sort of a beginning thing. And really the only people that were blogging about food allergies were moms mostly. And I, that was actually the reason that I started blogging in the first place is because I had gone to a conference. I did an independent study in college during my senior year. I was uh, sort of like researching about the prevalence and how it had increased and talking with families and kids with food allergies now because, you know, knowing that there was probably most kids knew at least one other kid that had food allergies. And when I was growing up, I didn't know a single person besides eventually my sister who's seven years younger than me and my dad. So I didn't know nobody in school, nobody at summer camp, nobody in any sports programs or anything I had ever gone to. I did that research and I went to a conference and I was talking to some moms. I had studied abroad, you know, I traveled a ton already. 
and just like doing, you know, all the normal kid things like play dates growing up and, you know, after school programs. And they were just so happy to hear that, you know, they most of them had small kids who had food allergies and they were so happy to hear that I had lived, you know, like a pretty normal life with food allergies. And so that's when I started blogging. And, and over time, it developed more into a travel focus. Throughout most of my 20s, I did a lot, I was traveling or living abroad for a lot of it. So as time went on, a lot of it became travel focused, but it was also sort of started as a general, uh, just, you know, sort of awareness about food allergies and that lifestyle. And in more recent years, I really started to, to focus more on travel guides, and living in Italy, Italy is like one of our top countries that people ask about in our Allergy Travels Facebook group. It's definitely like a very popular travel spot. And that's where I have the most experience with travel. And I sort of became like the go-to about Italy. And so, yeah, so it's sort of taken off from there. And it's a passion of mine. So, <laughs> And can you talk a little bit about traveling with your food allergies, maybe when you were younger and then traveling as you were older? And also what I find so exciting and cool about you is that you do a lot of solo travel and to talk about it, this is three questions so basically to talk about how traveling with food allergies has evolved for you I mean as a kid we used to do a lot of road trips we drive my grandparents had a winter place and that they would go to in Florida so my parents and I would drive down to Florida we also my parents had lived in Virginia North Carolina so we had some friends that we would visit on the east coast we ended up doing a lot of car time basically. And my mom would pack a lot of food. Back then, there were no allergy-friendly brands. My mom was always very organic-focused before it became like a trendy thing. So it was always very focused on whole food and finding, you know, like more plain ingredients. Also, especially with food allergies, that was the easiest. She definitely planned and prepped ahead and had coolers and things like that. So it really started with road trips when I was little. And then I was flying with them starting from when I was little too. Back when I was a kid, I didn't go to an airline and say, I have a nut allergy. Can I board earlier or pre-board? There wasn't anything like that. It wasn't how I grew up. So it was just sort of like a matter of fact thing. I never really considered it in any other way as these are just the things that we need to do. And that's how I was raised. So I think as far as travel goes, that's always how my mindset has been is sort of just, okay, these are the steps I need to take to make it safe. And that's what I go about and do. As we got a bit older, we had our few first international trip, but my first travel without like family or friends was a team trip that I went on when I was 16. It was a summer program. We went to Prague, Israel, and Cyprus. I'd always advocated for myself before, but it was the first time that I had to really navigate ingredients in a grocery store sort of by myself as far as like in another language. It was before like cell phones, so I didn't have a dictionary or like Google Translate to help me. So I really had to like rely on the help of my group leaders if I had a question or like helping with translation or I packed a ton of dehydrated food. There was always a way to make it work. It's never been like a no, it's always been, okay, we'll find a way. But that gave me a lot of confidence, I think, to that trip because I knew that I could figure it out on my own. And so yeah, so it was a lot of just having to, it was a good push into really having to advocate for myself in another country in different languages. Just because we have a lot of parent listeners, I'm curious about how that conversation went with your parents going, I want to go on exchange or I want to go away to three different countries without you guys. How did they respond to that? And what did they do 
to work with you in preparing for that? Um, it was something that we had talked about for a while. I think my parents always found ways to have us experience other cultures. We had done a student exchange in the summers growing up. So it was sort of like a natural, it was something that we had planned to have have me do. I think the allergy piece, you know, it definitely it was a lot of talking to the program ahead of time and asking about the food allergies, making sure that that was going to be able to be managed okay. My parents had a lot of trust in me because I had always advocated for myself. I could be really shy sometimes, but when it came to my food allergies, I always trusted my gut and I would never not ask or I wouldn't eat. It was one or the other, but I think they just knew that I would be able to do it. So then it was just trying to figure out how to make it happen. I think it was just a trust between the two of us and it was just something that I wanted to do and had planned to do. And, and so we just together figured out a way to make it work. That sounds about right. I did that to my parents too. When I was 15, I was like, I want to go to France for three months. <laughs> and so, you know, they helped me and they never made it something that wasn't going to be possible. You know, they were like, okay, then we'll make this happen. We'll make sure that they understand what it means to have food allergies. And you made a really good point, And we hear this quite often that it is about understanding the level of comfort with your kid and also trusting that they're responsible enough and giving them the right tools and guidance to be responsible. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's important too, because if you see them actively advocating for themselves at home and being able to be responsible around their group of friends or at school or after school programs and things like that and making sure they always have their medicine and they're asking all the questions they need to and not making assumptions about food and dining out and doing it safely, then parents are going to have more trust in their kid to be able to go and do something like go on a program where the parents aren't there. It's responsibility, I think, on both ends. Parents need to teach their kids how to be responsible and give them the tools to be able to do that. And then the kid needs to take responsibility too as far as using those tools and taking the responsibility for themselves. They want to be able to have those experiences. It really was to me just this matter of fact thing. It was you do these things, it keeps you safe. I just didn't question it really. I mean, there were certainly times where my medical alert bracelet drove me crazy and I would have liked to take it off. There are certain things where like having to carry Epi can be really annoying and always having a bag with you, especially when you're younger and it stands out and you're the only one that have a purse with you or whatever can be super annoying or bringing different food and sitting there eating a different meal. But if that's what keeps you safe in the end, that's way more important than trying to fit in. And you, I think you realize that as time goes on, it's really hard when you're younger. And I think it's hard on teens and parents, especially going through that period of time. But if your kid wants to go travel abroad or do some sort of program or even go to summer camp or whatever it is, something away from home, they need to have the right strategies and they need to be able to show you from home before you decide that they can go on an exchange or some sort of program that they can do it. If they're doing it in front of you at home, then they should be able to hopefully do it on their own. So do you think that organizations are more hesitant to allow kids with food allergies on these kind of trips now, given that it is a risk for them and an added responsibility for them? I just am wondering because I know that even the Peace Corps has changed its policies over the years regarding allergies. And I think it's just based on experience and their worry for their participants and where they're going. And so I understand, I think, where Peace Corps is coming from. But I'm just wondering, you know, when you were starting those trips, there weren't as many people with allergies. So it was kind of newer experience for even the organizations. Yeah, I mean, I went to overnight summer camp for most of my childhood growing up. I remember when we were first looking at summer camp, 
camps, we had a really hard time. My childhood best friend had gone the year before I was starting to look at summer camps to a camp and that's where I wanted to go because I wanted to be with her and that camp wouldn't take me with my food allergies. I mean, honestly, I was literally the only one ever that I knew that had food allergies. This wasn't like a common thing. People didn't really know that much about food allergies. Most people hadn't had a student before that had a food allergy, didn't have any of this experience. So it could go either way. Some people would be like, okay, sure, we can make this work. And that tended to be more of what happened, I think, because people didn't really know that much about it. So I think now programs can kind of go either way. Some are really taking it on and being like, sure, we can take people with food allergies, no problem. And I don't know exactly what has changed with the Peace Corps, but there's, you know, certainly other organizations that don't feel comfortable having people with food allergies. And there's certain things that I probably at certain ages would not have decided to do out of safety for myself. You know, my parents and I would always have these conversations. So it's really like Courtney was saying, dependent on comfort level too, but also just, you don't want to put yourself for months at a time or a year at a time, constantly having to be at risk or having to eat dehydrated food for an entire year year, whatever it is, if they're not going to embrace somebody with food allergies, then you don't want to go on that program anyway, because they're not going to help you take care of yourself in a safe way, then that's not the right program for you. Yeah, that's good advice not to push somebody to do something that they're not comfortable with on either end, right? Not to push a kid to go on a trip that they're not comfortable with and not push an organization to take on uh, an additional responsibility that they're not excited about or comfortable with. So that's another important thing. Sure, people are always aware of and asking. Another thing to kind of start the conversation out maybe with your child that I know your friends are going here, but we're going to need to check with the organization and make sure that they're comfortable with your food allergies. Allergies. And so that particular experience might not be available, but we'll find something that is. And maybe even starting that conversation more in that way, just so there's set expectations right off the bat that this might not work for you yeah. um, because of your food allergies. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to have an awesome experience somewhere else. Definitely. And I mean, I really enjoyed summer camp. It was a great experience for me, but we found a camp that would make it work. I had relationships with the people in the kitchen. I could go in there, re- check ingredients. I had my own separate safe yogurt for me in the fridge if I couldn't have something at a meal and I wanted something. You just have to find people that are going to work with you and make it work. You know, it's definitely a relationship building experience having food allergies. You can't do it all by yourself. Similar to choosing an organization that will work with you, how do you go about choosing destinations that you want to travel to? Because I know that that's a big question we get in Allergy Travels group is, I would like to go to Europe. Where should I go? (laughs) And then and he's like, well, it's a very large continent. So what are you looking for? But how do you decide on where you're going to go next? <laughs> that is definitely a common question that we get in our group. I think that is something that has evolved with me over time, too. If you're somebody who is just starting out traveling, if you haven't had any real travel experiences under your belt, picking somewhere that speaks the same language as you is a really good place to start. It's really hard to just jump right in there and go somewhere that you don't speak the language. Allergies may not be something that's very prevalent in that country. If you're just beginning travel 
similar, or even if you have, say, it's parents who have a child that was diagnosed with food allergies, and they used to travel a lot, but they haven't taken their child traveling yet, starting somewhere where you're going to feel the most comfortable is a good way to build up confidence. Because if you're trying to like jump right in there with some place that you don't speak the language and will have more challenges explaining food allergies, that's going to just make the trip that much more stressful to you. You want to have that initial trip that's really going to build your confidence so that you want to travel more. I mean, that's something that I suggest to other people. It's hard to pick somewhere because there's so many places. I have my favorite destinations, but then I also, you know, the world is a big place and I always want to see new places too. Places that I've traveled more recently that I probably wouldn't have been comfortable traveling to when I was younger and less experienced. So I think it's really just building your travel confidence. It's sort of like a lot of compromises too. Like, okay, I can go to this destination. Like for example, I went to Vietnam. I had not planned to go to Vietnam. I was already in Thailand last year for a conference, traveled around Thailand, had not planned to go to Vietnam, did not have a chef card that was translated into Vietnamese. So my negotiation with myself was, okay, I can go to Vietnam, but I'm only going to eat the food that I brought because I don't have a translated chef card, that's my compromise. I can go there, but I'm not going to eat the food there because I don't have a a chef card translated. And that's sort of where I draw the line for my comfort. It's not worth the risk. Medical facilities were not probably what I ideally would want if I had a medical emergency and knowing that I didn't have something physically to hand to somebody in that language. To me, that was sort of like a non-negotiable. I didn't have the ability to have someone translate and print something easily before I went on this spontaneous trip. I had to make that determination of what my comfort was and how I could still do this trip, but I wasn't compromised with not actually eating Vietnamese food while I was there. There's always ways to make things happen. I think you really have to decide though, if you're going to be able to enjoy a trip, depending on where you're going and where your comfort is. Because I mean, when I was younger, there were some trips that I went on where I was not super comfortable. I was in a remote location with a friend. It just wasn't the most comfortable experience because remote locations, you know, can feel a little bit stressful anyway. So you think, oh, I'm somewhere where medical attention is going to be challenging. And what if I do have a reaction? That sort of becomes like a lot of what ifs. What also happens is as time goes on and you have more of those experiences, you do build a confidence, but you really have to start with a strong base of travel before you go and do those remote experiences or places, you know, where you don't speak the language and people don't really understand food allergies very well. You really have to build to that because now I can go on these trips and I feel confident and I feel okay. But I do think that there's definitely like a building process and to trust yourself and your gut and decide what will be an enjoyable experience instead of like pushing yourself to do something because your friend is doing it or you've always wanted to do it, but you're not quite there yet and ready to have that experience. It's really a lot about just knowing yourself and deciding what you feel comfortable doing. There's two things that I thought of when I heard that. The first one is also how much work do you want to have on your trip? Because I feel like there are so many people who will travel and then they spend the whole time cooking safe food for themselves, which makes me think about the one thing I love that I see in our group a lot is that you have to be prepared to adjust your expectations with travel because you never really know what kind of crazy thing might happen. You know, your flight might be delayed. 
for three days or your hotel might end up being not at all what you thought it would be or you end up in some really strange part of a town. So it's just always being flexible and I think that's part of travel and that's the beauty of travel is you learn to go with the flow and I think sometimes for me as an allergy person going with the flow is not always easy because I like to have everything perfect. I've always been a pretty go with the flow adaptable person but that's who I am so I think and I, I think that was just how I was raised quite honestly but travel is always being adaptable and being flexible and otherwise you're not going to enjoy travel. <laughs> I'm not a huge travel planner which surprises people I think and I've certainly if I'm traveling with other people and they need to have a plan that's absolutely fine with me and I can adapt to that but when I'm traveling independently I'm traveling by myself I will often not know exactly where I'm going the next day sometimes or like I will book that day to go somewhere and I'm comfortable with that but I also according to what you're saying about sort of changing your expectations I think is also really or like adapting your expectations is also really important because my expectations if I can find something safe to eat I'm good. Like it doesn't have to be that something that's specific to that country. As long as I can eat something safely and I can experience that place in other ways, then I'm good. I don't need to have the most gourmet meal. I don't need to have the craziest, most delicious experience. Yes, those would be awesome things to have. And I (laughs) wouldn't say no to them, but that's not my expectation. My expectation is if I'm able to eat, then I'm good. And also I cook, but I'm not as much of a cook as you are. Courtney's food always looks amazing and that she's cooked for me before and it tastes delicious you know you're such a great kitchen person you know exactly how to put ingredients together and do it so well and that's not me you know I can definitely I, I can I can cook but when I'm traveling I make it super simple I don't have that natural put ingredients together and make everything so amazing I wish I did but I also don't expect of myself I've had some things that make my body feel good and I feel healthy and full then I'm fine I think the hardest thing when traveling, if you don't stay somewhere with a kitchen, for example, is finding something warm. And after a few days, I always need something warm in my stomach. So even if that's, I don't love eating oatmeal every day, or I don't love making mac and cheese every day, but if I need to find something warm that I can make easily, and quickly and all I need is hot water and it's going to fill me up, then that's my sacrifice. I will do that because I want to be there and I want to travel and I want to see certain things. Having realistic expectations is really important. And also just expectations of how people can work with you and your food allergies. Different countries don't experience people with food allergies very often. So they don't know, you know, cross contact, cross contamination. People don't understand that as well. I think sometimes people are surprised that people don't know what all the tree nuts are. For example, if you don't have to deal with food allergies and you're just putting ingredients together and you're making these dishes they're not thinking about oh these are tree nuts and I'm adding this to the sauce or things like that I think just having realistic expectations is really important and trying to like focus on what your travel goal is are you just going to enjoy the experience are you going to see something specific are you visiting family why are you going what are you doing and setting your expectations for that so I guess now I just want to go over how do you prepare What does that look like? It really depends on the location. For example, when I went to Thailand last year, that was the first time I had been in Thailand. First time I'd really gone to Asia before. I knew I needed to have chef cards translated in Thai. I knew that I was going to bring more food with me because I wasn't sure what I would find there. And I wasn't sure if he would be able to work with my allergies or not. So I just didn't know what the expectation was. So then I always 
pack more food just in case. I have had, talk about worst travel experiences, I've had days at airports before unexpectedly. (laughs) And you can get really hungry if you don't pack enough food. So airports are not the place that you want to be without lots of snacks and food with you. Changes depending on the trip, but for that trip, for example, I thought I also would be in some more remote places. So I packed according to that as well. I packed some of those dehydrated meals. I buy them like at the camping stores. I mean, the chef cards are huge. Having translated chef cards and then figuring out what food you need to pack and estimating about how much. I have a few like travel rules for myself. Anything that I bring with me, I have to have already tried before as far as products go. Even these dehydrated meals that are not cheap. I bought extra ones of each kind to try before I took them with me to Thailand so that I'd already tried them. And, you know, I learned those things actually from my mom, us experimenting and figuring things out back when I was high school, I guess, as a teenager trying to figure these things out. I have to make sure that I've gone to the store in advance that I have enough time to try everything before I pack. Just a bit more planning ahead as far as for me at least packing is a big piece. And then depending on the trip, sometimes I'll start out somewhere and then I haven't decided where I'm leaving from or exactly what will happen in the middle. <laughs> Courtney and I met for the first time in person when I was over in Europe for a conference and then hadn't figured out travel plans. I was just sort of hopping around visiting people and Courtney was home in Berlin and had an unexpected visitor <laughs> um, for a couple of days, which was so fun. But I like to do things like that. For me, that's my comfort level. I love that. I think with food allergies, there's so many things that you have to control. You need to know what's in everything. You need to ask all these questions. You need to be prepared with snacks. You need to always have your medication. There's so many things that you have to do. And with travel, for me personally, that's my freedom. I feel like I can go to all these places and experience like I always feel confident that I have a way to make it safe for me. So to me, travel is freedom. It's exciting. Absolutely. So do you usually also check to see what the emergency services are that are available in the area that you're traveling? Is that something that you recommend other people to do? Yeah, I do. I will look up where the closest hospital is. Actually, I haven't mentioned, but I do always do is on the government site in the U.S. anyway, you can have a login so that you can report where you're traveling to. So you get warnings from the travel embassy if there's anything going on, any sort of safety things you can look up, like advisory number is level of like safety is. So I'll do things like that ahead of time, safety wise, especially because I travel by myself a lot and I don't always have a plan. So knowing those things ahead of time is good. I think it's called step. I think that's something I'll do. Then I'll also look up what the emergency number is. Most countries, it's not 911. That's US only really. So making sure I know that. And then if I'm staying somewhere for a while, I was just in Madrid for two and a half weeks, three weeks, a few months ago. And I had had an experience the first time I went to Madrid where I ended up being fine, but I needed to go to the hospital because I thought I had encountered an allergen and thought that I could have a biphasic reaction. And so I went there, sat at the hospital, but it was this smaller, more regional hospital, I guess, and not one of the main hospitals. Nobody spoke English. It was definitely not the hospital that I would have chosen to go to. So just finding out what the main hospital is, is a big tip, I think, because if you get in a taxi and you're taking me to the hospital, you could end up at some small one that I went to where nobody speaks English. But yeah, I think it's important to just know what you're getting yourself into. I've gone to all these remote islands where there's not a hospital, where there's nobody there. And knowing that you had to go hiking on a glacier, there's not, there's no hospital there. But I take that into consideration. But something that I always think about too, and that has really sort of helped guide me with 
feeling more confident, more comfortable in remote locations is thinking about, you know, if I have a medical emergency, I'm in just as much danger as somebody else who has some other sort of medical emergency. People don't plan on having an emergency. If somebody has an emergency and they're in a remote location, they're just as much danger as I am, except at least I do have an EpiPen with me or I have multiple auto injectors with me, which gives me more time and hopefully would stop a reaction in the worst case scenario. You could fall and break your leg and not be able to get to medical attention. You could have a heart attack. There's so many things that could happen. But if you're focused on all those could be things, nobody's ever going to go anywhere. It's not just food allergies. It's, you know, anything. I try to put put it more in perspective because I think I've traveled to so many places and I've never traveling wise had an anaphylactic reaction, thankfully. I think that's pretty good odds that it's fairly unlikely. I'm pretty careful, but you can't plan everything. And that's what an emergency is. So, yeah. I really like that you mentioned that because I think that that is something important for people to keep in mind that at any given time, there's so many other medical emergencies that could happen. And even though sometimes food allergies seem like they are not as much under your control as you would like them to be, they can be in those remote situations. And you definitely don't have to put yourself in a situation where you're eating something that you've never eaten before. And so, like you said, just being prepared and then also having the mindset of I am prepared. I understand that I'm going somewhere remote, but I'm absolutely prepared. I have my EpiPens. I'm not going to eat something I've never eaten before. So it's very unlikely that I'm going to have a reaction. Exactly. Yeah. And that's definitely, that's a really good point. And I think something that I also really focus on is what I do have control over. And that's what I really recommend when people talk about flying and they worry about which airline and if an airline's going to work with them and whatever. It's so unpredictable. It really depends on like who's working that day and if they're going to be nice, basically, or follow a policy. You never know. There's no legislation that is saying you have to do it this way. So airlines can go either way. Focusing on what you do have control over, which is bringing your auto injectors, bringing wipes so you can wipe down the surface and wipe your hands before you eat, packing your own food, so that you're not eating airline food, all these things that you have control over because you don't have control over what other people are going to do, what they're going to bring on the airline or or around you when you're traveling. But focusing on what you do have control over, I think also really empowers you because there's a lot of things that you do have control over and you can't focus on what other people are going to do. Also, something that has taken time for me to acknowledge in my thought process is sometimes when I'm sitting somewhere and I see somebody pull out a bag of peanuts or pull out one of my allergens and they're eating them right next to me or right by me and in my head I'm gosh why are they doing that that's so terrible why would they even think that's okay and then I'm like they don't know they're not mind readers there's no sign on me that's like hey I have food allergies don't eat those peanuts next to me and it's really about the majority of people don't have food allergies they don't get it they don't know to them it's normal to eat that bag of peanuts for example it's not something that they think about and they're not doing it maliciously, which I think is really important. It's easy to think, oh, that's a mean, malicious thing to do. Why would you take out a top allergen and eat it right next to somebody? But for most people, that's just not something that they would think about. And to remind yourself, it really like comes down to kindness too. And just thinking about, okay, well, they're not trying to hurt you. They just have no idea that that's going to bother you. And then just thinking about what you can control. Well, you can move your seat. If you're sitting on an airplane and somebody pulls out something that I'm allergic to, a huge container 
of nuts that they're eating. And I'm like, hey, you know, I'm really allergic to that. Do you mind either putting it away or keeping it over to your side of the seat or whatever my comfort level is? But there's always a way to, I think, typically timely do it and then to focus on the things that will make you feel comfortable. When I travel to remote places, that's what I really focus on is what I have the control over. And, you know, there's all these really interesting tropical fruits in Thailand. I would love to try some of them, but it was my first time there and I was by myself for most of my trip and I wasn't going to try them by myself over there. I don't know. I think it's just really all about being flexible and adaptable and finding ways that will make you feel comfortable and safe. Those are all such great tips. And I think that Allergy Travels, your blog, can you guys just talk about that a little bit more? How is that set up? Where do people find it? Because you're both a part of it. And I think it's a great resource. And, you know, how is it set up? Do you have a lot of this? How do you pack? How do you prepare? Already in certain blog posts? posts that people can just turn to now that they're aware that it exists. That way we're not replicating all of this stuff because I know you guys have already created this awesome resource for people. If you want to get into the nitty gritty, that's a good place to go because I think what we've talked about today has been a really nice overview of just being confident traveling. But the specific things like what to pack, how to pack, how to plan. We have lots of blog posts about that. We also have a packing list and a planning list available just as a place to start. We also have a Facebook group called Allergy Travels and it's a place where you can throw all of your questions. We're almost at like 4,500 group members. It's a really big group and for us what's been really important and Ali's been a champ is that we are very heavily monitoring the group because we want it to be a place of confidence, positivity, and a supportive environment for people who want to travel. So we do not allow hysterical thoughts in our group because we want you to go, traveling is possible with food allergies. You just have to do it a little bit differently. And like we said, your expectations have to change and there's a little bit more planning. But if you do all of the planning, you can be flexible later on. So that's kind of the mission of our group, I think. And yeah, we have our website, which is allergytravels.com. And we have profiles on certain countries about major grocery stores, major chains, uh, hotel chains, emergency numbers and all of that. And then we have our blog where we share different travel tales so that you can see who else has food allergies and what they're getting up to and how they're doing it safely. The Facebook group is really very community focused. People are really very helpful and kind to each other and really focused on giving the best advice that they can and helping each other travel safely. And it's a really great space. <laughs> if, you're, if you're on Facebook in a group, especially if you want to learn more about traveling or have a specific place that you are looking to go, or even if you just are curious about traveling and haven't really felt comfortable yet with travel with food allergies, it's a good place to, to go and read about people's experiences because there's a lot of really positive experiences, places that you never would have maybe considered going before even that some places that really surprised me and then I'm like, oh, I didn't know about that place. Let's look into that. Yeah, it's a really positive group and a good place to ask your travel questions. I'm going to plug Allie's Instagram because every Tuesday she puts on a travel tip and they're not only helpful, but they're extremely inspiring if you are still on the fence about traveling with food allergies. After you read her Tuesday tips, you generally feel like 
you have a little bit more confidence to go forward. Uh-huh. Thanks, Court. <laughs> yeah, and to round it off, I also want to mention a recent post that you had that I really, really, really loved. The post where she is surrounded by lavender it was recent. And it's just a post on her mindset regarding allergies. And I think it just focuses again on just being positive and not seeing food allergies as a negative. And that holds true, not just for traveling, but in every aspect of your life. When I read this, I said, I wish every single person that has allergies would read this post because it just really focuses on the positive and how allergies don't define your experience in life. They change it but they don't define it and they can be what you make of it like anything else. So thank you so much, Allie. That was a great conversation. And I'm glad that we focused on just being positive and not even the nitty gritties because the nitty gritties you guys do have on your travel blog. And we did get into a lot of nitty gritties, but we also just got into just the general mindset of traveling, which I think will be helpful to people with food allergies, parents with food allergic children and children and teenagers with food allergies just to know that this is how I can look at things and this is how I can travel safely and be excited about it. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Remember that all information you hear today is for informational purposes only and are not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider. And also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And if you have a second, help spread the word by rating our podcast and sharing with your friends and family who might also be interested in learning more about allergies, asthma, and immunology. You can always stay up to date by checking out our Instagram, The Itch Podcast, where you can leave questions you are itching to know or check out our website, which is www.itchpodcast.com, which contains more information about the subjects we covered in today's episode and every episode. Until next time, have a fabulous week.